headquarters to all units. Headquarters to all units. All units stand by for on patrol with the PPD. Airing now on WTBR 89.7 FM. Good morning. Good Friday, rainy Friday morning. Thank you for tuning in to another new episode of On Patrol with the PPD here on WTBR 89.7 FM, Pittsfield Community Radio, simulcast on Pittsfield Community Television. My name is Mike Wynn. I am the chief of police here in the city of Pittsfield, and I'm also one of the co-hosts and co-producers of this supposed-to-be weekly radio program. I'm joined in studio this morning by IT guru extraordinaire, smart Gary Gary Mon. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Chief. How are you? I'm well. Let's uh, let's start with a check of the weather, and then we'll get started on uh, what I thought was going to be a relatively simple set of programming decisions, but it's not. <laughs> WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area today: mostly cloudy. A chance of showers this morning, then a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms this afternoon. Highs in the upper 70s. East wind around 5 miles per hour. Chance of rain 30%. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a chance of showers. Lows in the lower 60s. East wind around 5 miles per hour. Chance of rain 40%. Saturday, mostly cloudy in the morning, then becoming partly sunny. A chance of showers. Highs around 80. East wind around 5 miles per hour, becoming southwest in the afternoon. Chance of rain 30%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. That's pretty simple. It's raining. It's going to be raining. It might stop raining. <laughs> it's, it's supposed to be a nice weekend. We're supposed to have some, some sun and some decent temperatures. It's always raining. It's always raining. It's like, uh, what's that line from the Chronicles of Narnia? Always winter, never Christmas. Yeah. All right. So I had an idea in my head for exactly where we were going to go with, with today's program. But as I was saying before we came on the air, that, that literally got derailed by traffic. So I'm going to start with a couple uh, just light news items, fairly light news items. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about what's going on with the storm mitigation efforts. And then we'll, we'll transition from that into kind of, you know, what's going on. So I, I wanted to start with what is probably the most, from the department's point of view, what is probably the most important news item of the last several weeks, uh, but that we actually only pushed out via media release and social media yesterday. And that's the graduation of our four newest police officers, Officer Benner, Officer Jones, Officer Jumo, and Officer McDonald, all of whom have been featured on previous episodes of this program uh, while they were assigned to the coordinating center over on 2nd Street. But they, they finished their academy training, and they're actually three weeks into, um, into field training. And this, this is entirely on me. I got to own this. But... Um, when they so normally when the student officers the recruit officers graduate from the academy and they have a formal sit down graduation ceremony we have a plan to send a, a representative team a command and supervisory team or a training team down to represent the department and to be there and you know i i have the honor and the privilege in many cases to pin their badges on them at the commencement ceremony um, but because of covid19 and the ongoing hygiene protocols that wasn't possible it wasn't going to be allowed and uh so graduation day in their case certificate day which was a virtual ceremony via facebook live was the first time 
they transitioned from their student officer uniforms, the recruit khakis, into their patrol uniforms. But it's virtual. We're not together. So there's no way for us to, to be with them. And I actually wasn't even in the state. It was the, um, it was the Friday of my vacation. So then I come back from vacation, and I can't report back to headquarters because I'm in my quarantine. So I meet with them before I leave. You know, we're, we're kind of like going through the, we have the virtual thing. And then uh, nobody, nobody took a picture of them in, in uniform. So, you know, we try to commemorate things in the progression of people's careers so you know they're busy they're transitioning they're getting their gear ready they're getting ready to slide the field training so now i'm home and i'm like i'm sending text messages and secure comms like somebody you know pause and take a picture of them and uh you know it's it's one of those things you you and i talk about this a lot of times we have a conversation there's several people in the room and everybody thinks they'll do it right yep. so days go by <laughs> and everybody assumes um somebody else took the pictures so so now i'm you know coming out of quarantine i'm like hey guys not for nothing i still don't have any pictures and i want to send the media release out without the pictures right so finally i get the pictures um lieutenant traversa collect takes them and collects them and sends them to me and now i'm back at work and i just get slammed with a title tidal wave of of stuff and so now the pictures are sitting on my cell phone and i can't do the release from my cell phone so it was yesterday before you know i finally had a pause in my schedule i was at the right terminal that i could i could you know download the pictures it, you would think in 2020 with all of the technology we have available something as simple as that you know no no factor but there's a lot of hands in the pot there's you know social distancing and isolation and quarantine protocols and it just like when i sat down to do it yesterday i can't believe it took this much effort but they're here, and they're in training, and from uh, all, all reports, uh, their training is progressing as, as anticipated and hopeful, and uh, if they all complete on schedule, they will complete the field training program in October, just after we get ready to send another group into the academy. And first week of September. First week of September, we're getting ready to send another large group of prospective uh, candidates down to the academy. Is this our largest? Well, it would have been, but um, so we, we had conditional, we, we, the um, requisition was for 12. We knew, you know, we, we weren't going to necessarily come up with 12. We were actively progressing with 11. We, you know, we thought we had 11 slots in the academy and one of our uh, candidates just got activated for active duty. So it'll be 10. It's, you know, that's the if everything continues to go well. And uh, we've done a group of 10 before. The group that came out um, in early 2016 was a group of 10. Um, so, yeah, big group. Most of this group is local. The last group was from the statewide list. And so we had a lot of, um, that was the group that we quickly had some people either go to the state police or go to their home departments. So hopefully out of this 10, we'll retain more than we did out of the first group of 10. But, you know, you're, you're going to be busy. Huh? Yeah. We, <laughs> uh, Mrs. Gregory Bellotta and I were having a conversation Wednesday, and we're actually going to do a follow-up on it today, about the, the number of tasks that are required by all of our individual divisions or bureaus not only to onboard somebody, you know, we're, we're, we've got a good, 
a very good onboarding process. It's not, you know, we need to document it so there's good turnover. Um, but even when we transition somebody, like I went to do some work early this week and, um, you know, I'm, I'm in one of our systems that only a select handful of us, hand, you know, a handful of us use on a regular basis. And I go to enter Lieutenant Rockabruna into the case that I'm working on and he's in the system as a sergeant right every everything in the system was out of date so stop working the case to go in and do the administrative fix and then you know so th those types of things we really have to buckle down on yep. so you got plans for the weekend gary um i don't know yet <laughs> your, bike riding. your wife will tell you yeah. yeah i have the same plans for the weekend i'll probably go bike riding and uh nice kayaking nice all right um so I started to tell you on the way in as we were getting ready to go get on the air uh, a minute late, and I apologize to our listeners and viewers um, about why I was running a little bit late. So I'm I'm getting ready to leave the house, and I'm, I'm not early, right? I, I had some stuff going on, and I'm like, all right, I got plenty of time to get there. I'll walk in on time, and uh, I go outside, and then I'm getting ready to leave, and then, you know, it's, it's just you know Murphy's Law right I'm like oh, I'm going to go grab that and move that out of the way so I do it now I'm like alright I'm still on time so I get into the police I get in the cruiser I get in the police car and I'm in a police car with a police radio and ironically coincidentally as I get in and I turn on the car I'm getting ready to leave I hear a radio transmission and the radio transmission is from headquarters and it's about an update from a detail officer who's on a road job and the update is about my neighborhood so I listened to it, and basically the update is a side street in my neighborhood is closed to all traffic in both directions. And that street is a cutover that, you know, it's kind of like a shortcut for people who live in my neighborhood, but I never use it. It's not, it's just not my habit. So I leave my house and I take the turn, and now I'm headed on the main street that's going to pass that side street, which if that report was accurate, I would be on time. Well, I get around the corner, I get up the hill. And it's not the side street that's closed. It's the main street that's closed, entirely closed. So now I got to go back, right, around the neighborhood. And now I'm one minute late. And so I'm right. I'm on my way in here and I'm on the police radio call at headquarters. I'm like, I can't even fathom that, right? You just put out uh, an announcement that is factually inaccurate. <laughs> and I'm looking at the detail officer who just called in. And you know what? It's like the game of telephone. So the detail officer probably called it in by phone, not over the air. Yep. Whoever took the message down doesn't have situational awareness. They can't see it. They transpose the two streets. They hand that to somebody else who now reads it out. They don't have any firsthand knowledge. They didn't talk to the detail officer, so they didn't ask the clarifying questions. <laughs> and I, with the most accurate, up-to-date, live information, am still late. So mistakes happen. We fixed it. I, I put it out in the clear, in the air, because patrol officers need to know, right? Well, not only that, you can have uh, you know, emergency services. And there's a fire station in that intersection. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, as I've, after I called in, and I'm like, 202 is out here today. If they had to get to a call out on that road, yep. and they're pushing into the intersection that I'm trying to get through, and they get there, and that's when they find out it's closed, it's a problem, mm -hmm. right? And the side street that I was talking about, which is, is open, that's a one-way street. Yeah, I know that street. So they can't go 
they can't go up that one. Yep. They've got to go back out to South Mountain Road, right? So, or go all the way around and, and come in from the west. Yeah, my wife so, and I we walked that we walked that route. Yeah. So, um, the road is closed because um, utility. I'm assuming it was Eversource is in the trees cutting branches down off of the uh, overhead wires because of Tropical Storm Isais, which the mitigation efforts are still ongoing for. Pittsfield, we got off. Yeah, we got lucky. We got off fairly light, right? There was, there, was a, there was some storm damage. There was some trees down. There's a lot of power outages. But there's parts of Berkshire County that they got devastated. They're still out. And there's parts of Pittsfield that, that, that took some pretty big hits. I was talking to somebody last night, and they pointed out that where they lived, out off of Holmes Road, the, the wind speeds at height, so tree height or, or roof height, right. were faster than the wind speeds at the ground. So they have trees in their yard that the tops got blown clear, but the tree itself looks normal up to a certain point. It's I was looking at the pictures from the Sheriff's Department yesterday. Yeah. Tree just ripped right out of the ground. Yeah, took the grass with it. Yep. <laughs> well, my friend I was talking to last night said they watched the storm in their yard, and they saw the tree start to sway, saw the tree start to sway, saw the tree start to sway, and the next thing they saw was the roots. It just blew the whole root bulb out of the ground. Yeah. Root ball, right? Ball, not bulb. All right. So that's my long introduction to kind of where I <laughs> I, I thought I wanted to get in the top of the show this morning. Um, but I forgot the, the second most important news article, which is, uh, it's germane to not just Pittsfield, but our neighbor to the east. Um, apparently, previous ex-chief of police, Tony Riello, my boss, my chief, uh, is coming back in service and he's going to take an interim position in Dalton. Yep. Um, you know, I, I worked for Chief Riello. Uh, for for most of most of my career, he was he wasn't my chief when I graduated. He was the chief shortly after I got out of training, and uh, and then I worked with him, under him for, you know, again like eleven and a half years, twelve years, uh, before he decided to go elsewhere. He got a great opportunity. He went out to Falmouth, Mass, and uh, spent a few years in Falmouth. It, I, it, and a you know, it's, how do I want to phrase this? So. He went out to Falmouth, um, which is a beautiful community, and transition, right? It, it wasn't our department. They had a different set of structures and a different culture, and there were some things that the officers in Falmouth were very interested in but didn't have, um, didn't have deep knowledge and background in, and we did. And, you know, Chief Riel is a smart guy, and so he reached out for me not too long after he had been out there, maybe that first spring. Uh, and he and I discussed, you know, what he what he could do to make those changes and those improvements that his officers and commanders were interested in. And what we decided is that I would put together a team and take our team out there and work with them. Yeah. And we did that. And as a result of that, we established some unbelievable relationships and friendships. And uh, the current chief in Falmouth, Ed Dunn, was a uh, ops captain, operations captain when I went out there with that training team and uh, Eddie and I hit it off and, and we've had a, you know, fairly close working relationship ever since we were at opposite ends of the Commonwealth, but I bounce things off of Eddie all the time. And there's several departments out on the Cape 
that we have that kind of relationship with. So um, after a few years in Falmouth, uh, Chief Riello then went down to a department in Connecticut. He did a little uh, troubleshooting down there, and then he's he's been out. I think he's been out for a little bit now, but he's, he's still um, currently certified. So he's going to, you know, come come pin his badge back on and it'll be interesting i uh when i was a up-and-coming shift commander and, and admin commander chief riello was working as we say we working through the chairs he was uh, very active in both in the regional association the county association the regional chiefs association and the state association uh and he was he was serving his presidency um and i used to kind of tag along with him to some of his stuff to to you know carry his briefcase or whatever <laughs> and um so i got to see him at work at that and uh so now he's going to come in as the interim dalton chief while i'm serving as the president of the berkshire lec um so that'll be an interesting shift in perspective <laughs> have to have to transition him in and mentor him in, in his new role. If you're listening, Chief, I'm just joking. There's nothing I can teach you. <laughs> um, so that that's a pretty cool development. Um, it's unusual, but it's cool. So it'd be good to see him and, and work with him for a few months again. Uh, he's been on the school committee in, in the meantime, right? He's been on the Pittsfield School Committee. So I, I see him, uh, you know, at, at the 4th of July parade and stuff, but it's always in his role as a school committee. So it'd be interesting to see him in the law enforcement capacity again. So congratulations, Chief. Good luck. Let me know if there's anything I can do. We'll uh, Zoom you in to our next chief meeting. <laughs> <laughs> um, starts Monday. Yeah. So w w what I was thinking we would talk about a little bit this morning, Gary, is kind of the the convergence of of what from a public safety emergency management point of view is just like you know 2020 has just been uh. so this week kind of showed me in some conversations i was having with management how nimble and, and agile um emergency services and public safety has to be all the time um but the last <laughs> the last five months just like it tested us to sometimes to the limits so we're still in the midst of a public health emergency right there's and you know i can't emphasize that enough it's not gone right you know governor's travel orders are coming out and changing you know sometimes daily and watching the case counts start to creep off in, in some parts of the commonwealth this is not the time for people to let down their guard and and start to be complacent um, you know, and it's hard, right? Everybody, it's summertime. Everybody wants to get back to normal. Um, listen, there, there, there is no 100% return to what we thought of as normal prior to the declaration of the pandemic. There's going to be for, you know, some people say it's the new normal. And I don't like that term. It's the new abnormal, yeah. right? There's, there's, there's going to be a new paradigm. We're going to be okay. It's going to be our new, you know, reality, but it's going to be different. And you know, some things like personal hygiene practices, they're going to, they're going to be with us forever. They should have been with us forever right. anyway, but they're going to be with us forever. You know, the ongoing debate over handshaking. I miss handshaking, yeah. but I'm not doing it, right? Um, so we're in the middle of the pandemic. We're 
kind of living with our our new reality the pandemic is is ongoing we're face masking and social distancing and then you know it, the the after the death of george floyd we, we see another kind of state of emergency right so wherever you are in the country we know whether it was here in the berkshires where everything has been peaceful or out in boston where it was different or god help us you know and out in washington and oregon where it's very different that's another public safety emergency and it it impacts fire and police and ems and dpw and so now you've got two simultaneous situations crises emergencies and the the people who work in public safety who work in emergency services this is their reality they're now they're they're juggling both elected officials they're juggling both um and so you you have to be kind of flexible almost like split personality so you want to allow people to engage in their protected first amendment rights right and do it do what they need to do but at the same time you have to encourage them to do it safely in a way that keeps them healthy and safe I think we did a very good job of that locally. And then locally, as a result of the aftermath of the mitigation efforts we put up in the beginning of the COVID crisis and the closure of St. Joe, and we talked about this a little bit last week, um, so now we have this new situation in the city with um, homeless, you know, vulnerable homeless population in the encampment in Springside Park. And so that's a new set of challenges and different different players you know health and and maintenance and community organizations service net and others they're dealing with that and we have a role in that but it, it's a it's kind of a step back right um but then i'm getting communication from chief salmons from the fire department and there's some fire risk that they identify from that so now he needs some assistance from our personnel because his personnel have to go in right. and and mitigate you know there, there's jeopardy there we have to we have to figure that out and stop it so uh, police and fire are working to do that and you know that would be enough that would be enough and then early this week like okay now we got a weather related event coming in right it's in i've seen this i've seen the, this quote in several reports in the last couple of weeks it's the perfect storm no pun intended right but you've got the ongoing health emergency. You've got whatever's going on with how how people feel about police in particular, government in general. You've got this vulnerable population that's been identified in a particular location. And now you've got, you know, sustained high winds and, and torrential rain coming in on top of that. And I'm like, you know, really? Do we do, just one more thing, right? Just one more thing. There's a um, comedy video a vlog that i started listening to watching during the pandemic and there's an episode of this vlog where the the parents who are kind of the i don't know the main characters in this thing the protagonists they're interviewing their teenage daughter and so mom's like so we've got the pandemic it's covid19 blah 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 and then this was you know april so they're talking about murder hornets Yep. And then, you know, and then the murder hornets. And so the the teenage daughter, I don't know how old she is, but you know, she's probably middle school or high school age. And they're like, "What else is on your mind?" And she says, "Zombie fires." <laughs> and her mom thinks she's making it up. 
And she's like, no, it's a real thing. So mom's like, you're kidding me. You're, and she's like, no, it's a real thing. So she Googles it and sure enough, zombie fires, if you're not, you know, if you're a listener or a viewer, you're not familiar. The zombie fire thing was a, a quick flash in the news could kind of caught our attention if you were in emergency services. Some people probably just weren't. But wildfires were breaking out in discrete locations in Siberia. Um, they, they had started and then they had been put out. But they didn't go out. They were underground, and they just started burning again. Wow. Right? And so I'm watching this. I'm like, okay, you got the pandemic, you got murder hornets, you got the zombie fires, and then, and I, I think this was a, a a gag in the thing. And then the, the young lady goes, and don't forget the jumping snakes. And I, and I that was it, right? Because you know, if if you know me personally, you know I I got a thing about snakes. <laughs> um, she and she said jumping snakes. I'm like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. Don't forget um, the coin shortage. Oh, the coin shortage. <laughs> I I've been given, I think I can mitigate the coin shortage. <laughs> so I don't think we've talked about this on the show. Um, so we we have talked about things that when you become a police officer, change in your behavior. Uh, and it, it's not like the the obvious things like we're gonna you know go in and sit with our back to the wall i mean it's things that are kind of like associated with donuts right it, those are the obvious <laughs> things but one of the things that um an instructor said to me earlier early in my training that i never let go of is when i'm working i don't carry change right and uh and most police officers i know either don't carry change or we may be the only people i know who still keep those weird like 70s plasticky change purses and I'm, I'm talking about male cops right uh and people ask well, why don't you carry change well it's a noise mitigation thing right and you're working you don't carry anything that, you know like even when i had my duty belt on if i have keys clipped to my belt i have them wrapped in a rubber band because yeah. right? when you jump up and down you don't want to jingle and jangle right so it's a it's a noise mitigation thing it's just a officer safety precaution so because I don't carry change, if I'm out and about during the workday and somebody hands me change, my habit, at least as long as I've had a take-home car, is I just throw it in the center console. And over the course of a period of time, I can accumulate a lot of change in the center console. And uh, I don't know if you remember this. I think it was last. It was during the last holiday season. Miss um, Gregory Bellotta was running the United Way mm-hmm. campaign. We were trying to figure it out. And right, so she yeah. did the coin drop right. and the thing. And so I went out to my cruiser with a, an evidence bag and I started sorting through my um, my center console and I came out with like a half gallon of change. <laughs> it's just piled up in the bottom of the center console. So we poured that into the United Way thing. Um, but I have a similar, similar collection on my dresser and I have a similar collection on the counter. Uh, it's just I, There's a small collection on top of the fridge at yeah. the Second Street Jail. Yeah. Um, I had a small collection on my desk at the Second Street Jail. So it's just one of those weird things. So I think if I go and I, I clear out my coin caches, I can make a contribution to overcoming the coin shortage. <laughs> Strange and interesting times. Um, so all kinds of uh, interesting, I, I, I forgot to tell you. So I walked out of the office yesterday without my tablet. So I'm going to have to like do all the the announcements and stuff at the end off of my phone which I, I struggle with so we'll get there um, but we're coming up on a half hour so why don't we get another check of the weather and some station identification and we'll come in and finish the second half of the show okay. 
WTBR radar weather for the Pittsfield area, today, mostly cloudy. Showers likely this morning, then a chance of showers with isolated thunderstorms this afternoon. Highs in the upper 70s. East wind around 5 miles per hour. Chance of rain 60%. Tonight, mostly cloudy with a chance of showers. Lows in the lower 60s. East wind around 5 miles per hour. Chance of rain 40%. Saturday, mostly cloudy in the morning, then becoming partly sunny. A chance of showers. Highs around 80. East wind around 5 miles per hour, becoming southwest in the afternoon. Chance of rain 30%. Weather forecasts for WTBRFM are provided by the National Weather Service. Support for WTBR comes from Greylock Federal Credit Union. Proud to support high school arts and sports programs to help our community thrive. Greylock Federal Credit Union with locations throughout the Berkshires and online at greylock.org. And from BeFair, one of the largest premier human service agencies in Berkshire County. If you're looking for services for a loved one or are interested in caring for the people they support, visit BeFair.org today for available opportunities. PCTV and WTBR are committed to serving our community in this difficult time. We will bring you live coverage of press conferences and official statements from our government officials on PCTV CityLink Channel 1303, on the Pittsfield Community Television Facebook page, and on WTBR as they happen and as we are able to do so. Please stay tuned to our channels and our social media for updates on press conferences and other important information pertaining to the ongoing pandemic. Hi, this is Sergeant Mark Madalena with the Pittsfield Police Department. We all have busy lives and we're in a hurry to get to where we need to be. While driving, people are eating, drinking, talking, putting on makeup, doing their hair, checking social media, texting each other, all while the dog sits on their lap. The result is running red lights, stop signs, speeding, and finally crashing. Distracted driving is illegal. You could be ticketed or criminally charged. Please share the road and pay attention. Let's make sure everyone gets where they want to go safely. This message is brought to you by the Pittsfield Police Department in cooperation with WTBR-FM. That's it. That's it? We don't have any underwriting today? That was first. Ah, okay. Sorry. Um, so, we already talked about the, the weather-related stuff. Um, it's just the, 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 <laughs> the last five months have started to turn into, like, one continuous, like, like distracted memory like i'm i'm really starting to have difficulty differentiating between some of the periods i've been going back and looking at my journals and i'm like wait a minute when did that happen how did that happen and i'm kind of breaking life right now into before my trip and after my trip yeah. before my trip is is kind of just one big nebulous mass um so we got some questions during the break uh maggie uh, you know Plasticky is definitely not the technical term. You know what I'm talking about. It's that like vinyl rubber souvenir coin purse that you know. When you go to Hampton Beach, I'm sure you'll be able to find one. Um, I used to laugh when my partner carried his his coin purse. I don't remember what. I think it was. Um, I think it was Mount Washington. Actually, I think it was a Mount Washington coin purse. Um, and then, you know, in the last couple of weeks, coming back, I really thought, like, the middle of June with the budget process was kind of, like, the, the most political my life was going to be for the year. And then I came back 
to step into the the ongoing debate over police reform in Massachusetts and it this has been exhausting and so I just I want to you know I'm going to say it, most police officers that I've spoken with acknowledge and agree it, th- there's a need for some police reform right and actually the communication that I was working on with the chiefs association this week the mass chiefs and the mass major city chiefs have basically um, been working with the black and Latino caucus and have aligned on the original stuff that was in the in the proposals put forth by the black and Latino caucus. But since those original proposals have come out, some of the additional stuff that's occurred in um, the Senate version of the bill and later in the House version of the bill is is so far from where we started and honestly in in 25 years of law enforcement i i don't actually understand how we got here like it's it's so divergent from where we started so fast and it's like it, it's been like you know being on a on a roller coaster blindfolded yeah. so um you know there's there's a lot of stuff being debated the um the both both versions the senate and the house version are currently in conference committee in the conversation we had with the chiefs association wednesday we we don't know when the final report is going to come out of conference committee it could be um you know it could be as early as it didn't come out yesterday which surprised some people it could be as early as today they may hold it um, into the weekend there's been a lot of activity on the weekends uh as this process has gone forward so um interesting you know we're, we're waiting to see what comes out and then we don't really know what what's going to once once it comes out, then it goes to the governor, and then there's there's you know there's only a couple of options available at that point. So more wait and see with that. Um, but the things that like so if you're for if you're a listener, viewer, and you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't been paying attention to the um, the move for police reform at least in the Commonwealth. Um, it look it up. Go go do some research because it's important. Um, you know, I I was on a, a Zoom conference with several, several well, you know, hundred plus of my colleagues, and there's a lot of anxiety for some long-serving police chiefs. It, there's there's potential for some changes here that will dramatically change law enforcement in the Commonwealth. It, not all for the better, but there's some things in there that are of real value, uh, and you know the ones that I want to I want to spend the most time talking about. Uh, are the are the the leading two that there's agreement on uh, between both law enforcement, law enforcement, labor, and 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 the Black and Latino Caucus that kind of initiated this reform push uh, at the behest of the ACLU. So um, we're working with the ACLU. Uh, so the first one is the creation of what in the profession and in, in the industry is called a post police officer standards and training and I think it's important that our listeners and our viewers know that police executives in the Commonwealth have been advocating for the creation of a post for years uh, long before I was the chief right so more than 13 years and actively advocating and lobbying for it for over 10 years and it's been on the top of our legislative agenda for the last five years it's that that is not something we're opposed to we want that and if you don't so in the commonwealth we have the 
municipal police training committee. And the municipal police training committee is a committee that resides within the executive office of public safety and security. And so the MPTC runs our academies and they establish our in-service curriculum, you know, the topics and, and provide some of the curriculum. And they set the standards for how much training working police officers um, should have. Professional full-time police officers and reserve intermittent or part-time police officers in the smaller communities or in those communities that have like summer specials. But they don't have any enforcement authority and there's no reporting requirement. So although the MPTC is incredibly effective and, and you know their, their curriculum, we subscribe to it, we use it for most of our training. Uh, we get some supplemental stuff from the Municipal Police Institute. Uh, the MPTC, they run our academies, right? MPTC instructor, but they have no enforcement authority. So there's no requirement for a police department to report their completed training to the MPTC. And if there's departments out there that aren't doing the training, there's nothing the MPTC can do, yeah. right? There's, there's no consequences. And will I believe that in the Commonwealth, most of our, at least our full-time staffed police departments are doing the lion's share of it and they're doing all they can in good conscience i also know that there are departments out there that are not um and that shouldn't be okay right you, you police officers have a lot of authority we have right. a lot of responsibility you should not be able to serve as a police officer if you're not maintaining your minimum standards and so the creation of a post which is what is used in many other states would establish minimum standards across the board for performance and training and it would establish consequences for failure to meet them. Um, and so that's a good thing, right? I, I think most working police professionals and police executives are like, yep, give us the post. So I know that my officers here in the city of Pittsfield, our officers in the city of Pittsfield, and if I call mutual aid, the officers are coming in from Lanesboro or Dalton. All have the same they're all the same training. It's all consistent. They're all trained to the same level. That That's a good thing. We would expect that in any profession. Um, so definitely agreement on that one. And the, would, go ahead. I'm would, sorry. Would the post would that replace the MPTC? So, well, that's that's part of what we really don't understand how we got here. You would hope that the post would kind of be like a an administrative layer between the MPTC and EOPS that would establish the standards and collect the records, and the MPTC, which is working, would keep doing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, there are some. At people advocating to disband the MPTC and replace it wholesale. We don't know, but there's no there's no model for how to do that. It's just get rid of that. We want this, mm -hmm. and then there's no real agreement on what the composition of the post act, like the the members of the post, how that. So that's that's part of the debate. The other part of this, where there's you know large, there's a lot more agreement on most of this stuff than there is disagreement. Uh, the the other part where there is very much agreement is the certification process and the decertification process for police officers in the Commonwealth. And I've had conversations locally with friends and family, I've had conversations with um, members of our administration, I've had conversations with our, our delegation. Uh, I can tell you that as a police chief, it, one of the greatest sources of frustration for me persistently during our hiring process is the fact that there is no way for me to find out if a candidate who doesn't self-disclose 
has has been eliminated from employment or terminated from employment somewhere else in Massachusetts. Hmm. Now, when I say somewhere else in Massachusetts, people are like, whoa, what about what about somewhere else in the country? So the, there's a there is a national database of decertified police officers in states that have a post. So if we have somebody appear and they move to Massachusetts from a post state, right. yes, I can go look it up and I can find out that candidate Smith, and I'm sorry, you know, no offense to anybody with the name Smith, uh, candidate Smith was terminated from employment in Nevada and decertified by the you know, Nevada Post. Right. Okay, you know, that's going to pop in the background check. No, we don't want you. But if candidate Smith was terminated in Barnstable, they won't be in the database. So that's frustrating. Um, it's also frustrating if we do our due diligence, which we do. We've talked about our background investigation process on the program in the past, and we eliminate somebody from candidacy. They're not going to. They're not going to be employed with us. We bypass them, and we successfully bypass them, and we win the bypass argument. Uh, and then several months later, we're out on a, a mutual aid call somewhere, and they're working as a cop. Right. So we we said no. And then they took their application package, usually our application package. Right. And it changes stuff at the top of it. Uh, give it to a small town police chief. And you know, chief says, OK, yeah, we'll give you a shot. And that's happened more than once in my tenure as a chief. Um, so the certification and decertification, again, widespread, you know, for the most part, agreement on that. When you complete your basic academy training, you receive a certificate to, to work as a law enforcement officer. And most of the proposals that are being kind of hashed out in the consensus now says then you would have to recertify every three years. Um, so that, you know, every three years somebody's going to take a look at your performance and, and your attitude and, you know, your behavior. And, you, you know, if, if there's issues there, if you've been accused of misconduct, if you've been um, found to engage in misconduct, you could lose your professional licensure and then it would go to the database and you know you wouldn't be able to, to job hop to other agencies so that's a good thing i think um you're pretty pretty far along on, on getting through those um those two yeah definitely agreement there then there's a there's a few that say, okay you know we 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 hear you um you know we have a slightly different perspective but we serve at the will of the people and so Yes, we're, we're, we're willing to say there's got to be some changes here. Um, the and well, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to go there. The third one is that I think there's definitely agreement on. And I've been advocating for this for years, um, both, you know, with with what little lobbying I can do. And in some of my uh, my my writing stuff as a trainer is established standards, established common standards on use of force. Right. The the law of the land is Graham versus Connor. It's court precedent. Um, and what they're saying is codify it. Right. Don't make it a case law. Make it law. So all cops, same established use of force standards. Now, I believe that the standard should be objective, reasonable, based on totality of circumstances. But even if even if it's not, if they go in a different direction, at least make it common across the board. So there's not. Um, you know, in the Commonwealth, 300 and some odd, 330 some odd departments with different 
interpretations of the standards. So that one uh, we'll put in the, yes, there's some agreement there. Specifics, not necessarily. Um, the, uh, then the one that I think is, um, okay, you know, we're there, we hear you, we, we accept that you want to see something different. Uh, and like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to stop fighting this one is um, either the, the tightening or the prohibition of um, shooting at moving vehicles and uh, neck restraints, commonly referred to as chokeholds. And there's, there's two possibilities with each of those, um, either outright prohibition, which creates some liability issues, or classifying you know, those as lethal force in only the most extreme circumstances. Uh, and I, I think even, um, I, I think even, you know, the, the work that's being done by the chiefs associations with the black and Latino caucus is like, they're like, you know, tighten, 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 except for those most extreme circumstances. So there's some agreement even on those. Uh, and then, you know, there's the rest of the stuff and, you know, we don't have time to get into a ton of debate on all of these or a ton of discussion on all of these. These are the ones where like, you know, everybody's all over, you know, police are over here and legislators are over here and advocates are over here um and you know it's we'll have to see what comes out the big one is the ongoing debate over qualified immunity and i'm not a lawyer and i'm not a legal scholar so i'm not going to get into the details on the program i would just say you know if if you have a, a vested interest in public safety in your communities and you don't know what qualified immunity is, it, please take a little bit of time and, and go do some research on it. Look it up. There is a there is a lot of disagreement. No, I'm sorry, it's not even disagreement. Jason, stop texting me in the middle of the radio show. Um, there's a lot of misunderstanding about what qualified immunity is and what it isn't. Qualified immunity is not absolute immunity. It, it's not. Uh, a blanket pass it doesn't apply in cases of egregious misconduct it, it never has um, qualified immunity is a fairly narrow defense that government officials some government officials including police officers can use as a defense in the suit the suit's already going forward and it's introduced as a defense um so, you know, it's not that you can't sue the police officer. It's that they can offer this defense when you have. Um, and the, the thing about qualified immunity that got lost in a lot of this discussion early on is it's not just about police officers. Qualified immunity is a legal concept that applies to a wide swath of government officials uh, who have constitutional authority. And so there's, there's a couple different approaches to this. Um, one one of the approaches is is very widespread and sweeping and you know my personal concern is it's going to apply to people other than police officers and they don't know that there's a potential change coming to that so they and they should know um and then the the other approach which has been kind of attacked and pilloried is not going far enough is tie the loss of qualified immunity to the decertification so if an officer has been found to engage in misconduct and they've been decertified, they would lose qualified immunity. Um, you know, I think, 
don't want to speak for all of my chiefs, but I think most of the chiefs that I have spoken to were like, okay, yeah, that one makes sense. You know, start with that, right? You know, don't. It it's a it's a change that will allow us to see what it's what the impact is going to be and what the effect is going to be. And if we got to come back and do it again, okay, you know, it's it's easier to amend something piecemeal going forward than to make a huge change and then try to unwind it. Yeah. Uh, so that that one, there's some discussion, heated discussion and debate going on. We'll, we'll see what comes up with that one. Um, and then the, the one that has just rocked me on my heels and has is given me great pause is the debate over school resource officers. Uh, it, it was a year ago, two years ago, uh, that we got the directives on how to change the, the memorandums of understanding. It's three years ago now. Change the memorandums of understanding, tighten up the memorandums of understanding, really, really tighten down and, and refine and define what a school resource officer is and what a school resource officer isn't. Those changes were made. It was not even a year ago. I was fighting to defend the decision that I was facing about pulling our school resource officers out and then and, yeah a big petition came out yeah to keep them in and and now they're actually legislating um depending on which which version you're looking at just eliminating school resource officers uh that's that's a sea change that i i just can't wrap my head around so um let's see i can't remember what else is on the list i did that was not 10 that was about that was about seven of the 10 I can't remember the other ones that maybe I don't want to. Maybe I blocked them out. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll, you know, a lot of important stuff happening, and and these are these are things that are not just going to affect working police officers and police departments. These are going to affect all of us. Um, so it's important stuff. And if you're listening or watching and you haven't been following this, please do a little research, get a little educated. Um, because these these are changes that are going to have widespread and long-lasting impacts. So, I've been talking a lot. You haven't said much at all today. I don't say much at all. Well, we're going to have to change that up. <laughs> I wonder if Jason's listening. Jason, if you're listening, one, stop texting me in the middle of the program. And two, what a, yeah, I don't know. He's... Ask me questions. I love him to death. I really do. But Jason, I don't even know what that piece of equipment is. Why are you asking me? <laughs> like, come on. I think I know what he's asking you. Yeah, I, I bet you you do, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to introduce another topic with less than eight minutes left in the program. We'll just uh, that's been a lot. You know, it's just been a lot. Um, there's been a lot going on, right? I I have done more like legislative liaison stuff on behalf of the associations in the last two months than I probably have in the past five years. And and it's not something that I, I'm unfamiliar with. I do it, you know, on a, as requested from the associations on a fairly regular basis, but this has just been incessant. And we get legislative alerts sometimes four or five times a day. Yeah. So lots going on, lots of questions. That's, and that's actually something that we haven't said on the program in over a month. You know, we, <laughs> we talked last week at, or last week about how we, uh, 
kind of struggled when we were isolated and making sure that we could get at least one person into the studio so that we could do something. And the week that I had to Skype in because I couldn't come to the studio and you guys did an amazing job of, of covering and, and, and setting up the tech. But, um, with all of the different, like I said, you know, the, the, the four different simultaneous crises, it's just been really hard for us with our operational demands to know um, you know, who's going to be where, when, and who's going to come in and, you know, what the different topics are going to be. And I think we're, we're managing, but one of the things that we haven't managed to do since the pandemic was declared is write an episode or a segment around a, a listener question. Um, so again, you know, we're, we're here, we're moving back into it. Uh, we're, we're making sure that we have coverage for each of the programs. Um, but we're not we're not going to take this program to a, a call-in program. This this studio is not set up where we could um, adequately have call screeners, so we're we're not going to do that. But we do want to be responsive. So if you have a question that you would like us to put a segment together around, um, you know, you can follow us on many of our social media channels, either my my social media stuff, Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, or Officer Derby, and if you use the hashtag on patrol with the PPD, that will flag your comment or inquiry for us so that we can then um, grab it and, and put it into the clock for an upcoming segment. All right, so we didn't, I didn't reach out for Director Armstrong for anything from the health department, but I do have this week's cultural Pittsfield newsletter that hit my inbox last night yesterday afternoon if i can find it there it is so once again if you do not yet subscribe to the cultural pittsfield this week newsletter go to the city of pittsfield website and go to the departments and find uh our cultural development office then the Lichtenstein center for the arts and subscribe to this newsletter because it's a great collection of all kinds of things that are going on in our community. Uh, the first one that's in the newsletter, and I talked about it already. Oh, wait a minute. The first one that's in the newsletter is it's First Friday's Art Walk. Tonight. Tonight is First Friday's Art Walk. It's the okay, first Friday. It doesn't rain. You know, even if it does, I bet you if you carry an umbrella and you, because they're, they're going to be showing the stuff in the storefronts, right? So you would still enjoy that. Uh, we talked about the fact that... Um, Pittsfield, uh, I said this last week, and there's an article in Today in the Eagle confirming it. Apparently, right now, Pittsfield is the live drama center of the universe because Harry Clark that opened at Barrington Stage Company th this week, this week, and plays through um, August 16th, is the only performance going on right now with a actor equity professional performer live really? so yeah that's it right live theater in the heart of the berkshires in pittsfield ton of stuff going on uh at our other cultural destinations here in berkshire county and you know what I, i'm just going to share this um wednesday night uh, my wife and i went out for dinner that's uh, that's the night that we generally try to do that and i was late getting out of work and um, so she put the plan together. And when I got home and was getting changed, she told me that she wanted to drive down to Lennox and she had a couple of restaurants in mind that she wanted to go have dinner at. 
So it's a Wednesday night in August, and we're going to drive to downtown Lenox. Now, right, you know, my, my lived experience is that's a bad idea. But we knew, you know, it's, we knew it was going to be okay. But we drove down there, and it was relatively early, right? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like Blue Hair Special early, but it was relatively early. The two restaurants that she had picked, we couldn't get into. Packed. Yeah. Packed, right? So th- that would be frightening and disappointing, but we walked around the corner to another restaurant that we're, we like and we're familiar with, and they had set up 10 outdoor dining tables to the side of their building, and nine of them were empty. And so we sit down. We order a glass of wine. We're looking at the menu. Server comes over. We know him. Uh, order dinner. Beautiful dinner. And as we're sitting there eating our dinner in the middle of downtown Lenox on a beautiful weeknight in August, I just looked at her and I was like, this is something we've never been able to do in our time together. And there's a good chance we'll never be able to do again. Right? Because you can't get into a restaurant in downtown Lenox in August many yep. times. Mm-hmm. So with all the simultaneous crises that we started the show with that we were talking about, this is the summer. If you don't normally get to engage in our local habits, events, venues, this is the summer to do it, right? If there's any silver lining in all the negativity that's going on right now in Berkshire County, that's it that we're going to get to go check out the cultural destinations, the performance venues, the restaurants that normally we would be blocked out of because of the the large scale influx of tourists. So do it. Take advantage of being here and living here. You know, play in in the area that we live and work because we may never have that chance again. That's true. Right. All right, so what, you know what? I'm not going to read the rest of it. Go get the Cultural Pittsfield newsletter. See all of the things that are going on in Pittsfield and beyond. Enjoy all of our great uh, performance destinations, recreational destinations. Get out, hike, bike, kayak, stand up paddleboard. Go boating. Go boating. Go to the lake, whatever. But just, you know, have some fun. I think that's a pretty good note to leave it on why don't we uh cut to the outro thank you for tuning in to on patrol with the ppd here on wtbr 89.7 fm pittsfield community radio simulcast on pittsfield community television we'll see you for another new episode next week